Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Pope Francis has announced that this coming September he will be creating 21 new cardinals, a move that's being widely interpreted as an attempt by him to secure his legacy. On the line is Colm Flynn, an Irish reporter and broadcaster based in the Vatican. Afternoon, Colm. Very good afternoon. Good to talk to you, Sean. Uh, now, just to explain this, do all cardinals get a vote on who the next pope would be or is it a, a group within that? Great question. No, they don't. Uh, there are 222 cardinals at the moment, but only 137 can vote. If you turn 80, you lose the right to vote. Right, OK. And so is that why there's only 137? Because the rest are too old. Yes, correct. All oh, right, okay. So, so as presumably the new ones he's going to be uh, um, appointing will be below that age threshold. Some of them are. Some of them are not. Some of them get the title of cardinal as a recognition for the work they have done in the church. Maybe here in Rome, in a governance body of the Catholic Church. Maybe work abroad somewhere in the world. But the ones that Pope Francis seems to be appointing now, who have the right to vote are the ones that he sees as kind of ideologically aligned with him. And they're the ones that it's believed he wants to bring the church into the future to continue his uh, his vision for the church. Mm. Now, and something like 73% of the cardinals who will have a vote have been appointed by him. That's a massive turnover in cardinals. Yeah, Sean, this is kind of unprecedented because normally a pope would appoint cardinals every couple of years. The event is called the consistory. Pope Francis now has been the pope for 10 years. This is his 10th anniversary. He has had nine consistories. So it's what we call flooding the College of Cardinals. So again, if you're a betting person, you are increasing the odds and the likelihood that the next pope will be the same as Pope Francis, share his same vision for the church, uh, the things that Pope Francis has kind of started here, the reforms in the church. It's someone that won't roll back on them, but will keep them going and push them even further. And uh, the other thing that's interesting, Sean, about this new group who have been appointed and elected as cardinals, uh, many of them are not from Italy. Traditionally, a lot of the cardinals come from Italy. Many are not from Europe or from North, North America, but they're coming from places like uh, Tanzania, from South Sudan, from Colombia, from Argentina, even one from China. So it is bringing up the odds again that the next pope, or at least a future pope, will not be from the Northern Hemisphere, but next will be from the, uh, from the Southern Hemisphere, which is where the church is, is really booming at the moment. Mm. Now, and, and in those areas, in, in uh, uh, the Southern Hemisphere, does that version, if you like, of, of the Catholic Church, does it tend to be a bit more liberal or a bit more conservative? It's an interesting question. It depends on where you go. You know, in Latin America, you would have more liberal pockets of the Catholic Church. And then in Africa, you would have more conservative ones. Because I went to South Sudan, actually, last year um, with Pope Francis when he went to Juba, the capital, and we went to other areas. And I was interesting some of the priests, many of them Irish, by the way, and some of the bishops. And it was fascinating when they made the point, they said, Colm, we have the opposite problem that you have in Europe and in the Northern Hemisphere. You have not enough young people and just elderly people going to church and going to mass. He said, here in Africa, we have too many young people and we don't have enough older people controlling the young people. Because in these countries, uh, you know, when the governments often fail to provide healthcare education, the young people see the church as an empowering uh, institution coming in, the, the only ones in many parts of the world who are offering education, healthcare, 
uh, empowering women. We went to a school in Africa run by a nun from Dublin, Sister Orla Tracy, the first secondary school just for girls in the entire country, set up and run by the Catholic Church. So uh, people are flocking to the Catholic Church in many parts of Africa, uh, Asia and in South America as well. Mm. Now, people would tend to look at France's as a bit more liberal than his predecessor. But what does that actually mean? Uh, Is that more a tonal thing rather than there's been a dramatic change in policy of any sort? Yeah, it's the interesting mistake that I think a lot of people make, Sean. And you know what it can be like sometimes in the media. They pick their... They can pick their heroes and their villains because you'll remember when Pope Benedict XVI was elected and he became Pope in 2005 after Pope John Paul II died. And just remember, Pope John Paul II, he was kind of known as the the John Wayne of the church. Polish, first Polish Pope ever, the first non-Italian, I think it was, in 500 years to become Pope. He was relatively young for the job. He was good-looking. He was there at a time when 24-hour television news was everywhere. So he was a TV Pope. And to follow that, what many people in the church saw as a rock star pontiff with Pope Benedict XVI, who was more quiet. He was a professor. He came from Germany. He grew up, of course, a conscription. He had to go to the Hitler Youth at the time of... uh, of uh, Nazism in his country. So all of a sudden the media had all these labels, the Nazi Pope. And there's actually a funny story, Sean. Uh, Many moons ago, there was a famous Pope who one night went out into the balcony of the Basilica of St. Peter's, just next to where I'm sitting now chatting to you. And it was a starry night in Rome and there was people thronged into St. Peter's Square. And he made this speech and he said, when you go home tonight, tuck your children into bed, give them a kiss and tell them that comes from the Pope. The day after Pope Benedict was made Pope, there was a piece in a very famous Italian newspaper here and it said, it showed Pope Benedict on the balcony under the starry night. And it said, when you go home tonight, give your kid a good spanking and tell him it comes from the Pope. And he wasn't in the job, he wasn't in the job even one day. When Pope Francis came in, uh, of course, Pope Francis, uh, first Argentinian Pope, Jesuit, Latin America, he decided straight away that he wasn't going to live in the Papal Palace. He said, no, thank you to the paper summer residence at Castel Gandolfo, where I was actually there this weekend. And he said uh, no to kind of a lot of the trappings of the papacy. That won him a lot of admiration, let's say, in the mainstream media with Catholics who maybe don't practice that much or, um, you know, kind of more progressive liberal Catholics, but conservative Catholics, more traditional Catholics, uh, they saw this as kind of alarm bells ringing across the church. Mm. Now, the Vatican is as political as anywhere else, perhaps even more so, you could say. Is there, while he's putting all these things in place, is there pushback internally within the Vatican? Yes, there is. But you see, more traditional Catholics are caught in a bind because the Pope is the Pope. He is the successor of St. Peter. He is God's man on earth. We believe that he has been picked by the Holy Spirit. You know, when the Cardinals go in to vote, this group of men, they believe that it's the Holy Spirit who is working through them to pick the man who is going to take that chair and lead a billion Catholics all over the world. So when the Pope says something that Catholics don't agree with, they are caught in this bind. Is it, um, is it the work of the Holy Spirit? Is this divine inspiration that we should follow? Or is it okay to criticize and critique the Pope? So it was very interesting up until recently uh, when Pope Benedict XVI was still alive, Sean. You know, he died on New Year's Eve in December, just gone. But you had this time where you had two popes living within the walls of Vatican City for the first time 
I think in, in, in history, the last Pope to retire was 600 years before that. So again, if the Holy Spirit picks you, Sean, and says, Sean Moncrief is to be the next Pope, how do you resign? How do you hand in your resignation to the Holy Spirit? And do you know if he accepts it? So a lot of Catholics were pledging their allegiance to Pope Benedict XVI. And then the other half, the other camp were pledging their allegiance to Pope Francis. But to go back on a question, actually, Sean, to answer what you said, tonally, Pope Francis is very different to Pope Benedict. They're two very different people. But actually, when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of what the church teaches and believes, they preach the same thing. Pope Francis is famous for the who am I to judge line, which he actually said on a plane coming back from Ireland when he was asked about people in same sex marriages and if they would go to heaven or if they were committing sin and living in grave sin. He said, who am I to judge? But as recently as last year in Germany, and Germany has one of the wealthiest and most powerful Catholic churches still to date in Europe, they have introduced uh, the bishops there a, a new uh, protocol where they will allow the blessings of same-sex couples. Now, that went all the way to the top here, the Vatican, and Pope Francis came out very strongly and said, you cannot bless same-sex unions, and marriage will always be between a man and a woman. But when the Pope says these things, they don't kind of travel as much as the, the headline of um, who am I to judge, but Benedict, if you read their writings, you read their theology and their doctrine, they're pretty much on the same page on all of the main issues. Mm. Now, and he, he, he's a good age, the health isn't great. Do you, do you think it's likely he will, he'll retire as well? This is something that is uh, the million dollar question here in Rome and uh, we speculate and we wonder, Pope Francis is 86 now, he was born uh, back in 1936 in Argentina, he became a priest in 69, and he's older than Pope Benedict was when he retired. Now when he's been asked about this, I've been on the papal flight with the Pope and journalists have put it to him, uh, Holy Father, are you going to retire? And he answers as uh, many Jesuits do in a kind of roundabout way. So mm -hmm. he'll say things like, oh, I'm not going to retire today. Now, tomorrow I may feel differently. But in another interview recently with our friends on Telemundo, Spanish television, he said that he believed the job of pontiff was for life. That was his opinion. But he wouldn't be opposed to others retiring. Then this rumor came out here in Sean circling around the Vatican that he had actually signed his letter of resignation a, should the day come when he was just far too gravely ill to continue. He's been in hospital a number of times already this year, and so all eyes are on uh, if he will be able to keep on going. Last year I went with him to, we went to Canada, and there was another uh, couple of big trips, and it was obvious he was slowing down, he uses a wheelchair, he is really struggling. And you know, these are grueling trips. Sean, I mean, as the journalist, we have to be up at 5 a.m. every morning to join the entourage, to go to the presidential palace, to go to the House of Chambers or the Parliament or wherever it is we're going. It's a very taxing trip. And in uh, August, we are going to Lisbon. The Pope is due to go to Portugal for World Youth Day. It is going to be insanely hot there. And then right after that, he's due to go to Mongolia, which will be an incredibly long trip. So uh, all eyes now are on the Pope and his health and how long he'll be able to keep, uh, keep on going for. Colm Flynn is an Irish journalist and broadcaster based in the Vatican. Colm, thank you very much. My pleasure, Sean. Thank you. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm. With Anna Glaze. On News Talk.